into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she tries to act like she is God. Get burned at the stake. People believe and, and go along with this. And there's a darkness that we have come out of and doing a more of an enlightened period, a more freer period. And he said, this is a step back into those darkness. And these are the darkest parts mm-hmm. of humanity. And we need to stand up for that now. Uh, who was that? Was that Batman talking? That was comedian Rob Schneider. The you can't do it guy. Do we know if that was him or a hot chick trapped in his body? It's impossible to tell one from the next, but Rob Schneider is taking a stand live on Glenn Beck about the woke mob or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's been going off all week about um, what? No one is entirely sure. He's just doing conservative Pete Buttigieg. He's like the animal up there. The thing about Rob Schneider is, uh, by his nature, he's always going off. He doesn't have another mode. That's true. He's going off 24. He's eating a bird on this cover of The Animal, (laughs) 2001's The Animal. I'm looking up. uh, I I put animal parts in you. I remember the commercial for that. Yeah, dude. He's like, he's done caring about his career. He's done making Deuce Bigelow's. The franchise that we all love and is coming out. <laughs> you thought just there was going to be more, but there's not. I'm just remembering when that movie came out and I asked my dad, what's a gigolo? Yeah. Because it's in the title of the movie. It's also a word you just don't hear outside of right. this film. My money don't jiggle jiggle. And he tried to explain it to me. He's like, um, when a woman is thinking about getting married, <laughs> she has a man come over and that- act as her husband. All right, uh, your father has been a gigolo. Yeah, what, <laughs> by that definition. I mean, maybe he thought that was actually what it was. <laughs> That's true. He might not know. So either. just like a man comes to your house and just like, what's for dinner? Yeah, Have you pretty ever much. Seen? Just sits on the couch and watches football. You'll never believe the shit I dealt with in the office. Today. Yeah. Anders' father is just older Anders. There's okay. plenty of things he might just have a wild ass answer about <laughs> all on his own. The thing about wanting. a gigolo is it's, it allows women. To give you a hand job. <laughs> you can't say no. That's what the job is. Well, when a man and a mattress get together. He, I, Rob Schneider has a new movie. It's called Daddy Daughter Trip. And in oh his God. Twitter bio, he says, my new film Daddy Daughter Trip is coming to theaters, premiering September 30th at Arizona. It's just directed by Louis C.K.? Wait, so this is the press tour for his movie. It's like, <laughs> and I'm done with the press. Yeah. Like right. in my new film, Daddy Daughter Trip, available at the end of next month. Well, I think I think we figured it out. I think he's canceling himself and talking about free speech and shit to promote. Everyone's figured out the phenomenon of like, yeah, actually, if you can get canceled in the next 30 days, you're going to have an okay like opening weekend. There are a lot of angry dads who could see a movie, you know? Yeah. That's the only reason people consume anything anymore is to stick it to someone else that they made up in their head and that Rob Schneider whipped you into a frothy roiling boil about 
And uh, he also, according to his Twitter, he lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, which makes uh, a lot of sense. He's been a right winger for a long time. I remember this was 2004. I used to watch uh, The View every day, I think, in the summer. Like You got to get back 2000s. on that. We didn't have cable, that. so that's all I had. And he, I remember him coming on The View, and I swear to God, this is I, what I remember him saying. He gets on the couch and he's like, uh, yeah, I'm for gay marriage. Okay. A lesbian marrying a gay guy. Oh, damn. The view ladies are just fainting. <laughs> they can't handle Rob at his most vicious. He So he's uh, talking about how um, Dark Brandon is making everyone a, a gay welfare, they, them, or whatever. Um, do you think that like ties into the movie or this is just like, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you, if you look at it a, in a wide enough conservative <laughs> lens, then, uh, it's probably like a family film, which is a conservative weird thing is that we need to have families and stuff. Something to but sit down with. This is, uh, reminding me of something that I should bring up is our, our boy Raghav said about Rob Schneider back in 2019 i think or 2018 is that it's ironic that he's conservative given that he's the sole beneficiary of an adam sandler based welfare state that is so Mm. true (laughs) i was about to ask like does rob schneider have any good movies like is there anything where you're like well you gotta hand it to him well, it's a good, real Rob has a lot to offer. <laughs> it's a good point because the point he keeps making is like the system that got me to where I am, which is freedom and yeah. the market and all this stuff. And it's like you literally just hanging out around Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, you're like the P. Diddy umbrella guy to Adam Sandler. <laughs> he just fucking made you. You get the role of the townie in Little Nicky 2000. I'm on his IMDb. <laughs> we have this stupid system of celebrity where like if you blow the fuck up and you win the the talent lottery or whatever and you go mega viral you get to pick like seven people who are just kind of around you and then make them like your lieutenants yeah that's what entourage was about yeah how cool it would be to win the fame lottery it's also like embarrassing for those people because now they can never defy you like this is stupid it's a stupid byproduct of the system that we live in and he's totally one of those people he didn't he didn't just he's not one of like one of it's like one of Adam Sandler's other friends just you know they all just happen to rocket to success at the same time they're all just like holding on to this thing that's like generating all the cash and stuff so it's kind of like having knights you get to knight people yeah. <laughs> you get your own round table of comedic actors apparently his daughter is a musician who lives in Bushwick right and yeah this is what she looks like Oh, yeah. She's one of those ones where she's like pretty hot, but she looks like him. And I I don't know. She looks like Rob Schneider. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very specific. (laughs) Apparently, one of her albums was produced by Chris DiStefano. I've seen this man do unforgivable things. (laughs) (laughs) And she was in Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo as a child. Your father was acting as a European gigolo in 2005. (laughs) That's weird. I know I where know. your money comes from. I wonder. I mean, she lives in Brooklyn. You know, you wonder if you ever cross paths with her. Probably, but you won't cross her twice. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna try to date Deuce Bigelow's daughter, and then I'm gonna be his. Yeah, but it has to go well. 
No, I mean... It, you have to love that woman. Well, between me and her, it'll go well. But it'll be funny to be the guy that he then hates. And I go to dinner and I'm like, what's up, man? Yeah, there's a new Rob Schneider movie just about wanting to kill Jake specifically. <laughs> I park my motorcycle on your fucking lawn, man. The boyfriend who sucks. <laughs> Rated PG-13. Yeah. That's one of those movies where he does all the roles. <laughs> yeah. It's just him doing his best, Jake. Yeah, he's me. <laughs> and then he's all of us doing a podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't get taken down this way. Wait, why, why? I am a cook, uh, blue haired, non binary. Oh, I'm a non binary. Yeah. And then his portrayal of Anders would be unforgivable, the things he would say about Anders. Ah, uh, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it would be like that. Oh, shit. So, yeah, Rob Schneider has chosen a side in the culture war, so I guess let him go. Um, you have to forgive him. He is Glenn Beck's friend now, and um, you have to burn your DVDs of The Animal, of Martians Go Home, 1989, <laughs> of Surf Ninjas, 1993. Trying to find this. It's called My Daughter and Me. What is it? I already forgot. Daddy it's daughter trip. Daddy, daddy daughter oh, okay. vacation. I took daddy Adderall trip. today. It's if you go to his Twitter, it's the the banner. Yeah, it's daddy daughter vacation. Is it just them? I'm trying to figure out what the daddy premise of this is. Second oh, daddy grader. daughter trip. You're right. It's about them taking mushrooms together. <laughs> it's about a second grader who wants to go on a trip. Damn, dude, he's like aged really badly too. Dude. I know he his looks face weird. Is like stretched out or something <laughs> hey it happens to it's you know what it is it's the uncanny thing of like you've had some surgeries but like not in the way that make you look any younger yeah no, <laughs> you know what i mean like you just become like a the half machine type if there's a weird like catch 22 with a uh, plastic surgery i bet where like the people that got the really good stuff got it, it to where we can't tell they have it and then everyone else that got like <laughs> coach level like. adam sandler looks great i'm <laughs> saying for the record <laughs> dude I've, i went to his website because it's listed on his twitter here and there's like you know the ad for his movie a little trailer and then below it it's new netflix comedy streaming special and the title of it i guess or the title of this clip is asian mama mexican kids and then him Holy doing wacky shit. arms <laughs> 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 that sounds like it's so i bet it's just good jokes man it's so yeah, the thing about asian mamas is their arms go crazy <laughs> what oh, the fuck shit. could that possibly i mean unless you're doing like ironic self-aware edgelord comedy that is sort of making fun of the idea of doing a joke like this. There's no way he's that. He's an old man. He's just doing, what if there was an Asian mom and Mexican kids? Maybe he's talking about the history of the Japanese peanut. What? Interesting. It's a snack from Mexico invented by a Japanese man. Anders has this written down in his notebook. He's <laughs> like, this actually segues perfectly into my Japanese peanuts. <laughs> Um, so it, it's, uh, it tastes like, what did you, what did you just say? It's pretty salty. It's just got like a salty coating on top of a peanut. How is it Mexican? It's from Mexico. Okay. They produce it. There was invented there by a guy who was from Japan. And then the Japanese have done imperialism to it. No, it's just a guy moved to Mexico from Japan. They can do that. I get it. They let them do anything these days. 
I get my burritos at 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I get my peanuts in Mexico. Oh, yeah, there's a peanut involved here. Was, I think he was a scientist. You could do a lot with this. And uh, Where I, did you come across this? I learned about it. And what are you talking I'm about? I'm embarrassed to say how I know about it, but... Please. No, we got it I now. learned about it at the new school. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Now we're on to something. Is this its own course or major, or where does this fit in? Is this in, like, peanut cultures? No, it was about Latin American... Uh, Did you have to take like a cultures class? I had to take a cultures class. I wish. I, I, took, a, I took a culture. Uh, one of my freshman year required classes was like, you have to take a class on a culture. And I took a class on, Any culture. Ja- on Japan. And it was like uh-huh. clearly not designed for 18 year olds. <laughs> it was like very post grady And they were like, the now, is it real or is it beyond the thermal or whatever? Like it was like. Damn. It, it was used. I learned nothing. I learned nothing for six months. Sometimes I, I forget. We you watched guys Akira. <laughs> both went to the new school because personally, me, I went to the old, old school. school. I've walked right the. <laughs> I just wish I could turn into a peanut and disappear. Yeah, I, I went to a college where they taught us like how to how to drive with one arm, and you only move the steering wheel with your palm. That's something they teach you at the old school. I've always wanted to know how to do that. Yeah, it's called a palm roll. (laughs) Oh, and then you do the thing where you roll the whole wheel left. All just with your palm, One sweet motion. Oh, my God. And you're leaning back real hard. They don't teach you that at the new school. You might have learned about Gramsci and shit, but they taught us. No, no driver's ed. It's a shame. We learned about uh, all the different peanuts that uh, the Frankfurt <laughs> School discovered <laughs> in their research. That would be great, actually. The the semiotics of the peanut or some bullshit. Yeah. They would that would that. be great. They would. <laughs> yeah. The, the planners guy, the whole fucking theory about him. I can't read. I think all of that stuff is so boring. The Frankfurt School stuff. I've we, tried to learn about it like five times. We learned about yeah. peanut the bassist from the offspring. That's right. <laughs> That's old school. That's old school. God damn it, Jake. You're a cool guy. Peanut noodles. Um, peanut noodles. Oh, wait, the pe- peanuts in three eleven. Fuck. I, <laughs> I failed out of the old school. I'm sorry. Right, we're going to cut that out. We're going to make sure. <laughs> Please. That my reputation up real nice. The segment's good. We're keeping the segment. Uh, it's another week of pod damn America. We're back. Anders has returned from his massage. How did it go? I got cupped. I have. Uh, I tried to trick you into thinking I had a tramp stamp earlier, but I guess you saw the photo. Yeah, I saw first. you post it online first. I yeah, I was thinking about doing a, a prank. Otherwise, it would have surprised me. Actually, I didn't even think yeah. about that. People th- people already know about this. I guess I hasn't. You know, I hadn't been that familiar. But um, in case you you don't know, uh, cupping is. I don't totally know how it works, but when you get a massage, and this guy really. Pushed this on me. I wanted. I said no at first, but he was like, <laughs> he, he upsold you. He upsold me on cupping. He cupsold you. Really? Yeah, because he, according to him, I think this is what he was trying to say. If um, he gave me a, my shoulders are really tight, and if I hadn't got the cupping, then my it would have been hurt a lot the next day. So he said, that with the cupping, you will feel no pain. What the does the day. cupping do? So Andrews has these large brown welts on his back. Just like circles. bruises. Yeah. Yeah, they're bruises, bruises, but they're like all over the place, and they're big. It's um, like a so Anders he, has monkeypox. <laughs> that's what it looks like. It, 
you, if I didn't know you did this, you could, probably could convince me you're like you have some terrible disease. Yeah, I th- I should get some free candy, free Japanese peanuts. But it is a <laughs> candle, a series of candles that they light and then put in like this suction cup and put on your body, on your back, and you have to lie there and let them kind of. I mean, some people say it doesn't do anything, and that's the thing with, you know. Uh, Why t- does it leave a bruise? Because Be- the candle is like creating a vacuum, yeah. so it's sucking the air out of the, the cup that's on on your skin. So the vacuum is sealing against your skin, and like, what does that feel like? Just feels slight, like there's a slight burning sensation. Doesn't really feel like much, honestly. Oh wow! And it feels very nice when it gets taken off, and then honestly, it doesn't really feel like anything. And so then this you, worked. Then you I- look like a slice of pepperoni pizza. <laughs> I guess it was 25 extra bucks, which I was not thrilled about, but it's kind of hard to say no to somebody when you're like naked on a table. Yeah. And he was really adamant that it would hurt without that, but they're um, threatening you with pain. They say like, do you want the cupping or uh, to be jacked off? You go, wait, (laughs) I I have a girlfriend. (laughs) There's not a no option to just finish. How much money do you need to not jack me off? (laughs) 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 Yeah, but that's the thing is uh, with acupuncture. <laughs> I've I don't know if you guys have had acupuncture before. I have not, Jake. No, my insurance doesn't cover it anymore. But it's they don't know why it works or how it works. Um, they just know that it so for some people does does do some stuff. Um, some people in my family included. So it's it's hard to say uh, because you know. Science it only studies the stuff we absolutely 110% know for absolute sure, which does, and any good scientist will tell you that doesn't mean there's other shit going on in the universe, in, in our physical realm that we just don't understand. Right, there could be needle of, stuff. Yeah, needles, cups, Science candles. doesn't know about needles or cups yet. Right. There's a ton of th- things that, like, there's a... Uh, any of that uh, Alice in Wonderland around the house shit. Right. That's outside of science. Lin Huan, I think that's what it's called. I've, there was this medicine I was trying to get when I had COVID. Um, hard to come by, but apparently it's, yeah, it's like frowned upon by the FDA and U.S. medical establishment, but they gave this to everybody in China okay. uh, who had during the pandemic, and it helped just wipe it out. So Did they gave everyone cupping? No, uh, I think it's called Lin Huan. I forget the exact name, but it, uh, I don't even it's know like this herbal begin. tea that just expels toxins. It's like a magic Mexican peanut. Yes. It's a sensu bean. There are all sorts of different beans and nuts that you can take that are outside of technology. It's another week of the news with us, your friends. Uh, I'm, wait, fuck, what does Rob Schneider talk like? I'm a Jake Flores. I'm a, well, now it's like kind of like this, you know, the darkness. He talks like yeah, that. You wanna yeah, you want to be Glenn Beck, Rob Schneider, because Rob Schneider's range is outside of anything we could touch. Okay. I'm Jake Flores. This is another episode of Patriot Talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also a hot girl <laughs> at the same time. You can't really see me you know too what? Well, Now that I'm thinking... Uh, I. Probably should tell you this off air. A story about the hot chick. Did you see that as a kid? I have not seen it. I remember watching My it. mother wouldn't let me watch it. She heard there was a hot chick in it. I went to a doctor and he put animal parts in me. 
I also, even as a child, was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> no one knows I why it works. did not enjoy his films, even, like, as a stupid baby. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, the Hot Chick is actually a very, revolu- uh, like, yeah, sort of. It's uh, revolutionary in a way you're saying? In a way. It's, it's, it's sort of, we actually made, they made us watch this at the new school. As it Marxist, is something you would watch. consider the it works of Rob Schneider. They would show there, because it's about breaking uh, gender boundaries and who's really... Uh, how different, I mean, the premise what is, is... What makes a hot chick? Right. In my class, we will research different peanuts that show you... Hot chick is more performed than innate. Yeah. You know? That's kind of what it's about. Because she's, you know, supposed to be the opposite of a hot chick. But he has her brain and experiences all of a sudden. I don't know how, I don't remember how that happens, but... So what's your story? Um, I watched it with a friend... And oh my god, I should not be saying this on the podcast, but uh, it. <laughs> How bad could it be? It's about the hot chick, you know. With this, I was you know ten, eleven, puberty was, and you, you the hormones are going crazy. And uh, I asked the friend if we wanted to just pretend we were girls for a second. <laughs> and okay, that was a good start. He, he just assumed, thank you know for me at the time, thankfully that I was kidding and trying to like goad him into being like, ha, gotcha, you're gay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, sure. And so he laughed it off, but I was like, and I went with it, but for a second there, I was actually like, I just, you know, needed to get rid of this. I don't understand what you wanted to do. So you wanted to- Rub and- uh, You just wanted to be touched by a, a <laughs> friend? Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. Right. Oh, and then, it's it's yeah. weird because I, it was so young. So you were like almost experiment. Well, so yeah. you were prepubescent though. Yes, but yeah, you know, I think this is totally, a common thing. I don't think totally you're alone pre- in this, but I don't really feel like it's super related to Rob Schneider's The Hot Chick, unless that's I what think inspired we you. We watched too. it right before this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then you were now like, you get cups put on your body. <laughs> And Why burn. are you, as a man, getting? We should go body. to Jordan Peterson with this, and he will thereby get Rob Schneider canceled for confusing <laughs> young boys into thinking <laughs> that they can experiment with each other. You've crossed the Rubicon. <laughs> You've forgotten where the chick begins and your friend ends. Yeah, apparently he goes to comedy clubs. I just saw in DC some people. He like showed up at this like indie venue. Oh fuck! Who? Ah, some comic I hate recently had Jordan Peterson in the audience. Ah, I can't remember who it was. Somebody just told Andrew me Andrew Santino. It's, There's too many people. There's like a million of them, but <laughs> this would be a waste of time. Somebody okay. was very vindicating to hear. He okay. looks like me, so I can't. I understand why Jordan Peterson would want to go be in comedy show audiences because, like, he's seeing all the people who stand up for him online are all stand up comedians. <laughs> this is like his new hot place. He's going, this is the new University of Toronto for this guy. Yeah. That's how you know stand up comedy is thriving. It's and well, doing well. Is that it's what's just like We're between back in the day, man. The, and. It's the Rat Pack all over again. Jordan Peterson and Andrew Yang are hanging out in the green room. (laughs) Fuck, it's got to get wild in there, man. Guess who signed the table? (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, Um, moving on. I was going to say, what's the next one? Yeah, there's some rail strike action happening in the United Kingdom which uh, Bernie went over to support. He gave a speech 
where he's, he was trying to say it's the same thing going on in the U.S. and the U.K., but he used the word, it's the same bloody thing. Oh, my God, they love that there. Right, that's a sop to the uh, U.K. vernacular. They eat it up. Damn. Um, but, yeah, they're, you know, the Labor Party there is, like, really hesitant to support uh, any fucking strike activity, which is kind of amazing. Um, they're doing, like, temporary work stock stoppages here and there the RMT, which is their rail union. And a similar thing may happen here in the United States with, um, there's a couple different uh, unions that represent uh, rail workers. Amtrak? Amtrak workers. And uh, yeah, I think there's a few different ones involved, but there's a board, a presidential board that is is making some recommendations for how to avoid this calamity. And, uh, you know, strike a fair deal, but so far the recommendations kind of suck. They don't really involve like more money for the workers, which is kind of the main thing that they want. And you know, the, there's like some really strict rules and shit uh, that they want to have a little more flexibility with. And and the board so far is not really. One of our recommendations would be to stop striking and cut it out. Yeah, knock it off and uh, go back to work. And don't look at me. Don't look at. Don't keep your eyes down. Right, so we could see a, a national rail strike in the next month or so in the United States. You hear it here first, folks. I feel like it's not as exciting here. here as it is in the UK because more people be taking the train over there. National rail strike is when uh, everyone stops getting railed for the time being. <laughs> yeah. In order to, it's the alternate title of Lissa Strada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good joke. <laughs> Nice. There we go. <laughs> new school. <laughs> yeah. They teach you that at the new school. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the that's one of the classes. Okay. I learned that at Rob Schneider's comedy school. <laughs> it only cost me six hundred dollars, and then we got to do a show at Carolines at the end of it in front of seven people. It's going to a good cause. It's uh, keeping Rob Schneider's forehead uncreased. Yeah. Um, so what's your what's your opinion of this strike? I mean, it's exciting that it could have because that's a. I mean, yes, passenger transportation. Um, is, I would say fairly popular on the East Coast. I'm not a West Coast dude, so I don't know how how much it happens over there. But yeah, could you imagine West Coast Andrews? He would be out of some people. <laughs> assume I'm from California because my laid back vibes. Well, they create him, yeah. Is that a California thing? I guess so. Well, it just it makes you really laid back. Yeah. And really keyed up at the same time. It's a weird it's, vibe. You that's got, the man. thing is I, my girlfriend's mom, when we explained it to her, she was like, it sounds like it does everything. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You said it makes you relaxed and focused, which is it? It's illogical to me, but your, uh, your cherry blonde hair seems as if it's been kissed by the sun Cali style. That means with an avocado in, on the lips? Yeah, it's just like West You'd seem like if I was going to be like, where's this guy from? And be like, probably Cali style. Like he's like a West Coast Anders, but yeah. it couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah. No, I'm a an East Coast bitch, a bit of a Midwest oh flavor in there as well. Yeah. Um, you would burn in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is telling it like it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that part is true. Why don't you come fight me in Scottsdale, Arizona? Oh, God. <laughs> You'll yeah. burn in the sun down here. That's the weird thing. There's a lot of people like me in Scottsdale. They must be turning red. That's but, true. Um, well, they keep out of the sun by growing a giant head of dreadlocks and then <laughs> putting a cowboy hat on top of it. Sounds like a plan. 
but I think it's a it's an exciting development. Um, yeah, passenger rail is not nearly as popular here as it is in the UK, but still would affect I think uh, at a minimum the East Coast a lot. But there's other stuff that's transported by rail. Uh, a lot of goods and oh, sure. commodities in America are we forget get around on on rail cars. It's up there um, with ships. God damn it. Yeah. You know what it will provide, though? More entertainment for... The Midwest trains are not as popular, but um, for for transport, for, you know, personal transport, but rail railway tracks okay. are pretty fun. Um, I used to do this when I lived in St. Paul, me and my friends. This was a fucking Saturday night growing up. We okay. would go walk down the uh, train tracks and just throw rocks at the tracks and see the sparks... Um, that the stones make when they hit the track. It's uh, you're like bad kids. Mm. Or just developmentally disabled. <laughs> I think that one is kind of a euphemism for the other a lot of the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throwing rocks at, uh, at tracks to make the spark. Yeah, make the spark go. <laughs> That's Saturday night. That's right. pretty cool, actually. And if you don't you have... old school? <laughs> That's actually very that is old, old school. school of a thing to do. That is old school. You should, you're old school material, my friend. I mean, I do have to, and this is like a compulsory thing for going to the new school is you have to say some old school thing about yourself to, after you admit yeah. the confession that you, you went to the new school. You, you have to balance using, it out with some y- yang to the yang. You should use the word daddy-o more than you do. Um, but this is all very interesting to hear about, and it's kind of reflective of the situation we are in economically. In, here in the States, we're in a tight labor market. Okay? Labor rising. Mm. A new and exciting path forward. Uh, and we're actually going to talk about that right now with a very exciting guest. Let's swing to him right now. Uh-huh, honey. And now we are live with a very exciting guest coming in. We have Edward Ongweso Jr., a staff writer at Motherboard Vice co-host of This Machine Kills podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's an honor. It's a privilege. Um, We're trying to get more journalists to answer pressing questions as they arise. And so I have some stuff queued up for you here. I was hoping you could maybe answer for me. What changes can we expect to see in Warner Brothers properties now that they are trademarking Big Chungus? I mean, you know, this is a, this has been something that's been keeping me up at night, you know. Uh, it's so funny also that they already kind of own Big Chungus, you know. They, it's, it's like, I was never under an impression anybody else had the rights to fat Bugs Bunny, but I guess it was up in the air. <laughs> you know, just in case, just in case anyone doubted it, um, this is ours. <laughs> <laughs> it really does question, like, Am I the same person I was last year if Bugs Bunny is legally a different animal when he's fat Bugs Bunny? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, you know, a lot of people are really excited that Big Chungus might come in their video games, but I don't know. I I want, they need to do something bolder, you know. I don't know what they could make. A Looney Tunes universe and Big Chungus. A new franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Make him Thanos or some shit, you know. Give him his own ship. Yeah, a new violent video game starring. Like a God of War clone. Yeah, with big chungus, massive carrots swinging, trying to find the original Bugs uh, Bugs Bunny. I think that'd be good. The rap, yeah, to find and kill the original Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation necessary. Oh yeah, why? Who cares? He, this is his mission. Have you played uh, multiverses? 
Oh, I actually, I've only played it once and I got my ass handed to me because I played it with someone who's good at Smash. So, yeah. I know it's like a really stupid line to draw, but it's just like too similar to the other video game I've already played. I don't want to try it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care if like, don't they have like real people in there? I'm, I wouldn't be surprised when I played, I played as like Shaggy. Yes. And I got my ass whooped by who is uh, not real. Bugs Bunny or something like that. Yeah, it seems outside of the spirit of some of these wonderful titles right. that they got yeah. going on in there. It's and I don't approve. Right? You know, I, there's something going on here. There's <laughs> an agenda to bring the chungus on. I don't like it. Ask what the Democrats are are, are doing behind the scenes. <laughs> what lines the deep state moves in the multiverses meta? First, they want you. They want ranked choice void voting. They want then they're gonna run Big Chungus. <laughs> <laughs> they're running Big Chungus in Georgia. Right. He's back. <laughs> I dare you to find a character more charismatic. They're gonna make him vote for the Green New Deal. <laughs> Big Chungus would be a fantastic Democrat to run, as he is just <laughs> simply too large. I think he'd also be a little terrifying. You know, Big Chungus in my mind would be like all funny, like. Bugs Bunny, and then just say something really psychotic quietly, you know? Yeah. He he doesn't say the quiet part out loud. He says it behind closed doors, the way you'd expect of a proper politician. Eyes just (laughs) light up red, and multiple voices in chorus join him. Yeah, we're going to close Medicaid. Yeah. You're going to vote for this (laughs) bill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, folks at home, for these jokes to land, you really got to be picturing Big Chungus, and I can't do that work for you. (laughs) You That's on you. You have to... I want you to... Open up Google, type in Big Chungus, and just replay this section looking at that picture. <laughs> it's a podcast meant to be viewed multiple times. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Especially well, now that, is, you know, Big Chungus is here. That's right. Uh, the, we are seamlessly segueing into the other thing that I thought we should talk about today, which is the United States economy. Mm-hmm. With inflation is as it is right now... Uh, I don't know if you've seen the the price of milk out there, Edward. Is uh, it's got me feeling like Lucille Bluth. How much <laughs> could it cost? You know, I think um, there was a point in the early in the pandemic. I got a little. Some people got a little mad at me for saying I think that there was this family of who was like, "We are a family of twelve, and milk inflation has hit us really hard. Joe Biden is destroying the country." But then they explained how much money they bought, they spent on milk, and it. I, I don't know. I feel like if you're buying that much milk, they were buying like 20 gallons. You got to go on a list. I don't I'm know. Putting down $200,000 a month <laughs> yeah. on milk. Yes. It's unsustainable. Somebody, somebody's good at budgeting, helping my family is starving. They can't have any more milk. Um, you just, my nine feet tall sons, they haven't had anything to eat in weeks. <laughs> Their bones are like iron. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're too strong. They won't listen. Um, no, but I think, uh, yeah, inflation of food prices has been interesting because, um, uh, you know, I've been, I, one thing I've been interested in the past few months is, you know, what prices do go or go up and stay up and, you know, food prices, because when we talk about inflation, we usually think about the prices going up and how to slow the rate of the increase when I had to bring them back down. And food prices are ones that are going to stay up for a while because the industries are just so monopolized, you know, at each point of the supply chain, it's like the farmers and the ranchers 
they get fucked by monopolies that will hike the price whenever they want. Not even because they don't have enough profits, but because they just want more. And also because we don't have reserves of any of it. Like we have no grain reserves. We have no milk reserves, even though it kind of sounds disgusting to think of like a giant pit of milk. That, you know? How long does milk last? <laughs> How long could a milk reserve possibly be around for before Depends it's just a cheese reserve? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're preserving that shit real good uh, longer than you'd like, I think. But OK, <laughs> um, but but also it's like we could, you know, maybe dairy or like there, there are ways where we could change the distribution of the supply of it. But since it's at the mercy of these suppliers, you're just going to get that, you know, your prices are going to stay high forever and ever and ever. And you can't really do much about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk about that, but what is going on with inflation generally right now? Prices for things are going up for a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with, um, maybe a need or demand for the price to go higher. And part of that is because there's supply chain shock, right? And that just means, you know, because of COVID, because of how COVID closed a lot of factories and production facilities and 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 had a lot of workers who weren't able to come to work, and because of various crises that have made it hard for certain goods to be distributed on, on uh, massive ships or through trucking or through any of or freight, freight or any of the regular distribution systems, um, they have been... Parts of the supply chain for key products like electronics and the, and the things that uh, make up advanced electronics, but also for foodstuffs and other sort of exports and imports that have made the prices go up, even though regular demand has stayed the same. Um, and we've seen these increases go up in a few key areas, right? And that is with oil, with um, semiconductors, with cars with food, you know, these price increases also have the effect of if people are anticipating even higher prices, maybe they'll try to stock up on them, or maybe they're willing to pay higher prices. And then you have situations where if I know you want to pay a higher price for my stuff, and I know that there's a short supply of it, then I'm just going to hike the price up even more, you know, if I'm just like a company or a greedy capitalist, right? And so we're getting into a situation where COVID fucked up the supply of a lot of things. We have markets where companies have enough power that they can hike the prices and you can't do anything about it. And they know you'll pay higher prices. And so a lot of the pain is being suffered by the workers and consumers who are subject to, or at the whim of the corporations that are exploiting this crisis and hiking prices or cutting wages or trying to cut wages, right? In the middle of the ongoing pandemic, in the middle of the supply chain crisis caused by the pandemic, caused by a war in Ukraine, caused by factory shutdowns in China or other parts of the world. Um, right. So, and th- I have this feeling a lot with economics in a way where I can't tell if I'm just like misunderstanding it, but a lot of these problems don't feel like they're like from the material world. They're about like creating a vibe in the market and then making demand meet it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're writing about the prices becoming sticky at a certain amount. Like once you've raised food prices to this amount and everyone's accepted bread is $5 now, you can't lower it again. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess my question is like, how much of this is a political conflict and how much is like a genuine, like machine of the market malfunction? Because 
in, inflation hasn't been a problem, as I understand it, to this level in America since like the Carter administration. It's yeah. been like 40 years since the, the Volcker shock. Yeah. Part of it is because it's just like there's so many crises that are converging on the moment. Right. Um, there are. And, and that the core thing, some of the core things that are driving inflation were it was not just oil like it was maybe in the 70s. Right. Or oil was not a key part of the crisis or the only key part of the crisis. You also have like semiconductors and key electronic uh, electronic components of advanced electronics like computers um, and, um, you know, high tech uh, machinery and factories or you know, medical equipment uh, like these are things like the that allow for higher levels of computation that drive um, a lot of the digital technologies and physical technologies of the world today that were in short supply because factories in China were, you know, experiencing massive shutdowns or closures or freezes in production because of COVID. And as, and, you know, as COVID swept through the world and swept through a lot of Asia, right? East Asia and Southeast Asia, um, the supply crisis got a little bit deeper and more entrenched, right? And then also, again, you know, with issues that were happening at the docks, some of the docks didn't have the, uh, some of the docks were either overburdened, you know, with the amount of product that or that had been stopped or stocked up there, or were understaffed and unable to actually distribute it and get it out. Truckers were unable to get things in and out. Like there are a lot of compound crises that prevented things from being, not only being made, but then like, prevented buildups from, or that allowed for buildups to get distributed, right? Uh, and we have a supply chain that kind of relies on or assumes that, you know, things will get there as they're needed instead of having reserves or stockpiles. So a lot of stores, a lot of corporations, a lot of parts of the economy find themselves suddenly without uh, what it is that people might want. And, you know, Ordinarily, we could do a little price increase there, right? But we also have just a ridiculous, you know, a lot of a lot of sectors of the economy are just so concentrated that they are able to leverage the power that they have and hike up prices in a way that wasn't possible in the 70s, right? So I think it's like because of how since the 70s, the economy has kind of just gotten more, the political economy has gotten more concentrated, a lot more room for greed, and a lot more and a lot more reliance on these core key um raw inputs and because of how deep that supply shock was we're seeing price increases were much worse than like what we might have seen in that period or we're seeing price increases or the capacity for price increases that are much worse than what we might have seen in that period because they're unmoored from like the actual need in the economy right we don't have to hike the prices up as fast as we've been doing over the past year and um but it's really just a function at the end of the day of corporations passing those costs on to people. Yeah, the classical milk reserves are gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> there are no more Acme Towers full of milk the way that there were in your grandfather's country. Right. Um, yeah, you know, the um I think the agriculture system is a is a good one to look at here where you know the Financial Times had this really good piece by one of their editors talking about how you know, in the aftermath of the New Deal, there's an attempt to try to create good reserves and and also lines in the economy of agriculture so that you wouldn't have monopolization that would lead to like massive price hikes in times of supply crises, but also would lead to fair wages and working conditions. 
for agricultural workers, but it's been eroded over the past few years where now we don't have strategic reserves. We have um, workers that are at the behest, usually put into debt to work for a few firms. We have like a narrow, you know, we have like pretty strict legal system that would punish anyone who tries to get outside of the contracts that they have with the monopolies. So not so now it's pretty much also like, yeah, you don't have the milk reserves of your grandpa's time if they had them. But there's also, you know, there's like a nice little uh, turret on your on your land that happens to have a logo that looks suspiciously, suspiciously like Monsanto's uh, that will gun you down if you try to, like, you know, uh, do anything other than what uh, is in the fine print of the contract. That sucks for me, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what is what is the plan here? I, as as the last time I checked in on this, like the Fed was openly talking about creating a recession, essentially on purpose to yes. bring inflation down. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe they were just kidding about that, or if the plans changed, as it seems like inflation's like less crazy than it was like two months ago. Uh, do I need to start saving more money? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I they, the, Yeah, I mean, I think they have kind of committed to to pain, right? They've committed to. Um, That's the words they use. That blows yeah, my mind. Yes. <laughs> the yeah, art they, of sleight of hand is gone in this country. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think they said the words like we need. There has to be some labor pain, right? Which basically means they want to force layoffs, like. Um, and interest rate rate hikes, the whole idea behind there is if you make it more expensive for firms to borrow money, they're going to try to cut costs. And the biggest cost for any firm is going to be its labor costs. And the ways that you do that are the layoffs and offering lower wages. And you do the layoffs and then there are more workers in the reserve and then you can offer lower wages and then everybody's happy, right? A bit of a nightmare because it's also like we are still, both, you know, high key, it's been an un- it still hasn't even been a full recovery from 2008, you know? Um the pandemic also did devastate some people, a lot of people, and still ongoing. Um, so still hasn't even had a full recovery from some from uh, the, the pandemic as well. And now there's like a, a desire to cause pain to the workers instead of going after the profiteers. Yeah, which is, again, like where we get back to like the political problems underneath the economic problems of this, of corporate control over the levers of power in terms of who gets the pain uh, when the pain must go out. But um, I guess this is my question is like, is the uh, is the recession, is the shock that they're playing on giving this, um, is, that, is that the method of solving inflation or is it the product of just shaking up the labor market right now, which has been like the most pro-labor we've seen in modern times? I mean, yeah, I, I think these are these are fair questions to ask because, you know, when like, look, like a strong labor market is something that is anathema to a lot of these people, a lot of these neoliberal economists who think that it is fine if corporations have cartels to orchestrate prices or if monopolies control sectors. But God forbid you have a say in your workplace. Right. Um and so, there, you know, part of this is like there's a certain ideology that the Fed has, a lot of economists have about why inflation is happening. They don't think it has anything to do with supply chain issues. So they do really believe, some of them really do believe 
labor market pain is necessary and you have to have a 10% employment rate or, or an 8% employment rate or 15% unemployment rate or whatever it is, right? You need to have a higher employment rate, unemployment rate for a few years because that's how uh, we can improve the economy and prevent it from heating up, right? Yeah, yeah. From spending all their money. Um, but there is, I do think, I think also we tend to discount stuff like you pointed out, right? Where also these people probably are looking, some people, maybe not the Fed, but definitely some people do look at the labor market as it is right now and see the wave of unionization and think that that in of itself is a concern or a problem because it will lead to higher wages, it'll make it harder to fire people, make it harder for us to use monetary policy maybe to, to uh, as, a, as a tool to rein in the economy whenever it overheats. So I think that's definitely something I, def- I think I think that's definitely something to to not discount, right? There, that a lot of times these people do think the stuff that the stuff that we want goes against the sort of economy they are planning and would like to see. There's just a few hints, you know, like the nobody wants to work anymore conversation stopped right before this one started, um, and it kind of seems like uh, those two things may be connected. Yeah, I, I mean, from a certain perspective, like. Are unions the solution to, uh, you know, working problems or are the solutions actually would it be more cost effective to develop an app where you can kind of be a uh, Uber driver, but for Pinkertons, you know, like you can sign up and bust heads for the day and make like six dollars. Right. <laughs> and yes. then we're probably employing more people overall and more go getters. I think uh, maybe. And, you know, you know, Biden hired like 80,000 or 72,000, what is it, IRS agents. And I, you know, deep down, a lot of economists probably just really wanted 80,000 Pinkertons, you know, to to just come through and bust the heads of workers for the next yeah. few <laughs> All of the people who've been drinking this milk yeah. that's yeah. caused such a problem <laughs> are going to do a new, new form of DoorDash that involves hitting. Yeah, listen up, folks. <laughs> the free ride is over. It's called and- Doorbash. Yeah. <laughs> Still funny uh, by SoftBank. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> almost the same company. That's the kind of weird part about it. <laughs> Shorter shifts. It's actually kind of nice. Um, you can focus on your career. Right. Um, okay, well, I feel like I've done my due diligence with like general market problems, and now I want to just ask conspiracy shit, which is, Hell this yeah. is the main thing I've noticed. Movie Pass is back again. <laughs> yes. I've signed up for it again. And I remember the first time being like, this can't be a business. They just give money away. This doesn't make any sense as a product. I went to the movies a hundred times for $10, like flat fee. This is not correct. Uh, And when this came out the first time, there are just like a lot of businesses in America that Mm -hmm. feel like a scam or a you know, I've seen people who who do know more about economics maybe talk about how we've been in a bubble for yeah. the late 2010s. Yeah. And uh, I guess my question now is like, is this a bubble or is this just like what it looks like when you have been the global hegemon for 50 years? Your people just go to work at the giving away money store. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I really do think there is a bubble um, and that it's a bubble that needs to it needs to blow up. But there's not really a good way to do it with the tools that we have because we spent so much time develop, spent so much time neglecting tools that might have been able to deflate um, the bubble outside of causing pain to the rest of the economy via interest rate hikes, right? Uh, the bubble's there because we don't really have any 
real guidelines or uh, barriers between or that stop like speculation or stop encouraging people from moral hazards, pursuing investments that are morally hazardous to the rest of the economy, right? Uh, pursuing investments that have a systemic risk. We don't have like a system in place that incentivizes anything other than like invest in something that may grow or that will have an evaluation that's inflated, but doesn't actually like help people just provides another consumptive good or product that relies on like under unemployment as a result of the 2008 financial crisis and uh, ongoing lethargic recovery. Um, and also like take advantage of the free money because the interest rates were at zero, right? And don't build anything, just like build something to turn $5 billion into $30 billion. Um, you know, so I think the bubble is, is there and is growing, but I think it's also, a, it's like one of the many bubbles that has happened thanks to this, you know, living in the most powerful empire in the world means you get to have uh, 30 bubbles before the crash, right? And nice. Was, yeah, <laughs> you know, 30, 30 waves of rats just coming out of the sinking ship, right? And uh, is it going to sink yet? I don't know. But I do, I think it is clear that like, you know, we get to enjoy we loosely here uh get to enjoy yeah. <laughs> you know this bubble because it's like um everyone else more or less has to pay the consequences of it or will right we'll get some of the crumbs we get some goods and services which are basically just servant work wrapped up in like new glitzy digital terms um you get because of holes in the political system, you get servants to deliver you food or to take you across the city because there's not good food access or because you've been cultivated to rely on on demand immediate gratification or because the transportation system has been deprived or because you need medical care. Or, you know, like there's been deploying consumer goods and services to fill those plugs and in in holes in the political system without actually addressing the political system itself. And when you do that in the market, and when you're doing it in a market as, as like hands off as ours in important ways, you just, it just it just builds up. Um, it has built up for one reason or another, these bubbles that will, I feel, burst eventually. And that probably wouldn't have persisted if like the core of the tech economy were in Germany, you know, anywhere else, <laughs> yeah, like, anywhere else. But then like. You see in places that wouldn't have had those tech bubbles, the tech bubble, because, you know, like, for example, um, is it go, it's GoPuff. I think I believe it's GoPuff. Oh, fuck. No, Gorillas. Sorry. Gorillas is this ride hail, um, not ride hail. It's, it's app based delivery service that is in the United States. It was based. Oh, shit. They're the they're the hangover company. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what we had. Exactly. Right. So they do groceries. They do like food and deliveries and all this shit. And like they've marketed themselves in a lot of different ways. But like the core is they were kind of sustainable when they were just working out of two major warehouses in in New York. And then they tried to expand into Germany and um, and other parts of Europe, uh, leveraging this venture capital funded lean model that has been taken in the US and exported everywhere else. And what happened? Well, now they're shuttering all their operations everywhere else because it turns out you can't actually run a company like that. But they tried to because the bubble encouraged them and gave them the false sense of safety to pursue that, maybe get a return on their investment, maybe flip the company and get out. You know, is before. it just that workers in Germany 
won't do it or that their labor practices don't accept it or they were doing it because it ended up manifesting differently there which is also part of the problem because these services are kind like you can if you are narrow about the way in which you're providing them they can kind of work in american cities but they but european cities are denser a lot of the main cities were dense enough where it actually did make more sense to have these app-based delivery services but then they started to try to emulate labor conditions and practices and and cost saving mechanisms you know in in trying to onload as much uh, labor onto the workers as possible trying to reduce benefits offered to them and that just became unsustainable the workers are not going to uh deal yeah. with it right you know the late there's a higher standard of labor conditions in those countries and straight up when you don't meet them they strike you know like so <laughs> they just <laughs> that's something that doesn't happen here for a mo- for many reasons but in europe with these app delivery services, if you look at each one of them, if you look at Uber, right? If you look at uh, Uber Cab when it, in its earlier iteration, if you look also in Asia, when you look at Gap or uh, Grab, um, when you look at any of these alternatives that have emerged, there are always massive labor actions when they fail to provide basic levels of dignity and uh, for the workers for an extended period of time. And so it ends up being unsustainable. Um, Right. This is what I kind of was uh, what I meant earlier when I was talking about how uh, the labor market has to cultivate a vibe in a yeah. way. Yeah. It just doesn't work over there. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're too mouthy. They don't just do whatever you say and then uh, go back to working for scraps. Uh yeah, it, it, there's just like too much sass going on in the labor market now and I feel like that scares uh, the business class almost more than the material reality of what's happening right now, where they're still in control of like 95% of the situations they're in, you know, occasionally yeah. you'll get a unionized store or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. you have you seen the graph that's like comparing wealth inequality now to the French revolution? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's is- worse somehow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was, um, you know, this is this is also an interesting insight where it's like, I think one thing that the bubble has done and, you know, it, it, it's an open question how deliberate, but by having a lot of the money shored up or developed in services that just provide like a sort of short term feel good and hide the exploitation. You obscure a lot of that. Right. Because everyone kind of like one thing you can do is you can buy in to the to the to you know, I hate the millennial lifestyle subsidy argument, but I do think that there's something to the idea that part of the power of sustaining the bubble has been in obscuring the servants, but still making you feel like you have servants um, and obscuring yeah. all the exploitation that ru- that powers literally everything in today's world. It's the beginning of the month now, and there is a real morale boost when you have money for five days and you're like, I'm getting delivery and then I'm hitting the town. And then you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) time to stay inside again. (laughs) Okay, Uh, well, I feel like we've covered some important truths here, and that's that's what we're all about. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you and your works? Uh, they can find it on um, on Vice. I met Edward Angueso Jr. on um, Twitter. I'm at Big Black Jacobin, and that's where you see all my writing and shit posts, pretty much. Yeah, sign up for those shit posts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, y'all love them. Bang, bang, bang.
That was Edward Ongweso Jr. The economy is inflating like one of those plastic Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, costumes from Spirit Halloween. It's, it's uncanny the way it's like that. Filling and filling, and its little arms are turning up, and there's a guy inside of it, and you can only see his face through the mouth. My pocketbook feels like I'm trying to fit in a large inflatable dinosaur from Spirit Halloween. Mm. And that guy inside is named Dark Brandon. He's in control of the inflating economy, and he's inflating it for his sick pleasure. For his sick pleasures. Why else would he do it? Uh, Dark Brandon, he gave a wonderful speech this week. Uh, I didn't know this was coming. I don't think it that we always get one of these. He just seemed like he was like open mic night. It's Dark Brandon time. Bring out the red lights. Yeah, I mean, I was saying bring out the ominous red lights. I have some things to say. I think I think that look, I, I I saw all the pictures and stuff and it was like, oh my god, are they? Do they actually kind of know that the Dark Brandon thing is working to their advantage, and are they then therefore leaning into it? Or are they old and accidentally set the thing that's supposed to rotate colors to the wrong setting <laughs> and it's stuck? Because I know, you know how these things work. They come with that weird remote that's got a bunch of different colors on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then if you press it wrong, it's just stuck on red the whole time. Yeah, it looks like you're in a lava lamp. Um, am I stupid or making this up? But isn't didn't Donald Trump give a similar speech to a different like ominous backdrop, like a different like dark red thing? He used In Philadelphia. All, he did shit like this like, all this the time. This is just like aesthetics. He would have like the Hitler background with like a large <laughs> picture of himself and a fist or something. Yeah. And now we're just supposed to like all these Republicans are posting like this. I've never seen anything more like Hitler in all my years. Like, we just did this. Yeah. There's yeah. a chance he just left the lights the same and forgot <laughs> to change them. He also like, I, I mean, if you're already here listening to this show, you probably don't need Trump is bad and conservatives or hypocrites explained to you or whatever. But like, to watch all these people be wa- so inconsistent and tweet about like how they feel so attacked they can't believe the decorum would be violated and that like JD Vance is tweeting that he I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> these are the fuck your feelings people. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's bullshit. You if you if you find an inconsistency in people like that, then you can like you can cancel out all the the what do you call them um reduce the 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 fraction here yeah and you'll find the people's real politics which is that they like the things that they like and they don't like the things that they don't like uh it's it's insanely like cynical and inconsistent for anyone to go how dare he be a scary president when trump was like the fuck he was like he was a scary lunatic. Yeah, it he was, was only- like threatening people on television. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome if you have a sense of humor about that sort of thing and you're <laughs> like us. But it, like, if you're like a normal person, yeah, right. no, it was He's ten times worse. He ran on about it later. He ran on changing the slander laws to be more like the UK, so he could like put people in jail for <laughs> reporting on him. Oh my god! Oh, wait, did everybody watch this whole thing? It's like twenty five minutes or something. I think I watched. Yeah, we we had it on at the apartment, but uh, he I've gets- seen some clips. I mean, 
the thing is, like, there's all this talk about the the Brandon speech. You got to watch the Brandon speech. You turn it on. He just sounds like he always. Right. There's no. I. I uh, maybe I missed something, the but Republican I didn't hear any parties new... in jeopardy or something. And it's like, yeah, get, yeah. get this guy out of here. <laughs> I didn't hear any new proposals or anything. There, there was. He got heckled, and he was like, "And you have a right to be outrageous." Uh, and that was kind of fun. I th- I don't know if that was intentional, um, but. They yeah the the main takeaway I think was the lighting and I, I was saying on the bonus episode I like people are reading way too much into like his act his actions good or bad as like uh, ref- how much that reflects back and forth between like social media um, but the the lighting does yeah make me think maybe they are watching the dark Brandon uh, the memes. right. I think when he said you have a right to be outrageous, he was trying to say you have a right to be outraged, which would be a good point. Um, but he has paint brain, and so outrageous came out, which is like just just the syntax of that sentence. It's like saying you have a right to be fabulous or something. <laughs> it's a hilarious way to way to to phrase something. IFC always on slightly off. I don't I don't buy that he is like there's a lot of like uh, intention coming out of him in this. I think this is like maybe stuff that's being set up around him, you know, like his handlers were like, it "Oh, just, yeah, like yeah, we can change the lights on these. Make him look <laughs> I, like Mortal Kombat this week." It'll I can't cool. convince this old bitch to do anything, but he's red now, so <laughs> yeah. I think we got our point across. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a real nothing burger. I'm pretty sure, you know, and if we're all in the Brandon camps next week, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong and I'm sorry. Are we going to be in the same camp with the Magan people? Absolutely we will. God damn it. Okay. And we're going to form a gang of soy boys. It's also Look weird. out, it's the soy boys. It's weird that the Republicans are mad that he he's using red lighting because that's like literally their color. I know. It's stupid they're mad to begin with, (laughs) the whole thing. No one should be mad. You should have just leaned into it and done the, you know, the Sith Star Wars music. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. He should have done that. (laughs) He should have, with his mouth, done the song. (laughs) No president has done that before. (laughs) You know, the tapes of Richard Nixon where he's like, ha, 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 ha. Beatboxing. <laughs> you won't have old Luke to push around anymore. You'd have to know about Star Wars before it happened. <laughs> I guess for this yeah. to make sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a prequel, so. Oh my God, <laughs> Anders! Uh, it, that, it was a long time ago. It was a long time from ago. the seventies, but it was in the same place, and that's different than Star Wars. Okay. Sure. Yep. And that's what's going on this week in the wild world of politics. Uh, fucking, you tell me if something else happened. I don't know. That's it. What do we What do we got going on? Uh, nothing. Okay. What about the guy from the, what is that story you had about the, fuck. What did I have? You put it in the chat. I'm forgetting. Oh, oh, let's talk about. I don't know anything about this other than I read the headline, but it's very funny. Apparently, Iranian hackers somehow came, <laughs> acquired pictures of this Mossad agent's teeth, like his dental records, where they take a camera and put it in your mouth, and they leaked him to own him. <laughs> and like I don't, I don't know the specific 
politics of this, whether this is like a huge deal in that part of the world or whatever, but dude's teeth are fucked up. Yeah, in uh, Israel, you do not want to have fucked up teeth. That's one of the things there. His teeth look like that meme when there's like that one dying tooth in the back of your mouth and it's like my dying tooth watching me uh sign up for more patreons or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you're spending your money irresponsibly uh it's fucking funny also probably what my mouth looks like i was about to say i'm not sure i am in any position to judge (laughs) Uh, no this guy's mouth looks bad i think he's farther ahead than i am yeah but we didn't get our mouths doxxed yeah, because yeah. we're not Mossad agents, so like, no, you know, it's it's a mystery. My mouth doesn't have intelligence industry damage the way he's <laughs> slowly having jihadists putting Oreos in the back of my throat. Just be careful when you go to the dentist. Uh, you know that you go to a dentist who might not be connected to the dark web and might not sell pictures of your teeth to hackers. Um, but I mean, I guess this guy was a fucking Mossad agent, so I don't. I, I don't care. I'm just warning for it could happen to anyone, you know. It could happen to you. That's right. Yeah, it is pretty cool that this happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have if you have any uh, photos of d- different spooks' mouths lying around your house, go ahead and post those. <laughs> Get those out there. Uh, all right, I think that's it for us this week. Somebody have something to plug. R.I.P. Barbara Ehrenreich. That's what I'm going to plug. Yeah. It's not really a plug, but yeah, but we know keep her family in your thoughts. Yeah, this is not the first time we've done not really a plug. I know. I want to plug. (laughs) I I should just give up. (laughs) I want to plug the old school. My alma alma mater. (laughs) What's a place where you can learn about listening to Percy Sledge, (laughs) having a nice cold one. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug gigolo culture. Keep 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 it going. <laughs> keep, keep it, it going. Keep it going. Gigolo keep culture. Keep it alive. Gigolo culture is dying in this country. <laughs> <laughs> the woke mob doesn't want a, a, a crowd of women to come jack you off and pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Men used to wear big puffy shirts. <laughs> <laughs> At Andrews Lear on Twitter, Dursley one Instagram. <laughs> you get the actual plug-in. Okay. Do you, does, it, does it help? Do you get followers from plugging your social media every episode? I don't do it because I, I just know. assume people know who I am, but maybe I should. You know, year four or whatever, I do think it's a reduced effect. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I mean, new people listen to the show all the time. All these people from my job I keep accidentally telling about, and then they listen to this, and I'm like... I'm a communist. Please don't talk about it with me at work because it's going to piss off other people at the bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, don't get me fired from here. Anyway, thank you. Most people I've told have just thought I said Pod Save America and listened to Literally, that. people care so little about politics that they think that we are Pod Save America. And they're yeah. right. They are. So yeah. uh, sign up for... Um, we're selling tote bags, right? Crooked media tote bags. Um, if you if you are listening and you know me, the little sort of Foucault history of sexuality for young children anecdote I had that let's say that was a figment of your imagination. <laughs> okay, that did what not happen. The fuck. That's good. We got to I'm that very. Plug. Should not that should not be an episode, but I'm just you know that's part of that's part of podcasting is you let you I, let a little too much out sometimes and you got to roll with it. 
That's right. You actually could have just said cut this out of the episode. It would yeah, have been very easy. It would have, it, I feel like the quality would, would not be the same. I really liked it. I thought we should keep it in. Anyway, uh, it is finished. It's finished.